Hey there, teachers. Since you're a regular podcast listener, and I know you're committed to improving your literacy instruction, I want to make sure you know about our free private podcast, the Confident Writer System Series. This private podcast was the result of so many teachers asking me questions about how to teach writing. I'd get questions like, my schedule is already so crammed. How do you find enough time to teach writing? Or my students struggle to write complete sentences and paragraphs, yet I'm expected to get them to write a five-paragraph essay by the end of the year. Help! (laughs) So I decided to put together a five-episode private podcast series that will teach you how to teach writing in upper elementary. In this short series, you'll learn the five mistakes to avoid when teaching writing in upper elementary, simple routines that will take your students from confused to confident, and manageable ways to teach writing every day without feeling rushed. You're going to get access to a podcast workbook that is filled with freebies and writing resources. So if that sounds like something that you want, then head to stellarteacher.com slash writing podcast. That's all one word, stellarteacher.com slash writing podcast and sign up for this free private podcast. These episodes are only available inside the private podcast. And trust me, you're not going to want to miss them. You're listening to episode number 36 of the Stellar Teacher Podcast. Oh my gosh, you guys, today I am so excited for this episode because we have a very special guest. We have Dr. Lori Friesen on the episode today, and if you don't know Dr. Lori yet, you need to go check her out on social media. She is the host of the podcast, Beginning Teacher Talk, and she is absolutely an expert in supporting first-year and beginning teachers in all things teaching. And she's so good with classroom management and helping set up your classroom for success and communicating expectations and all of those things. But here's the thing. She's not just great at supporting beginning teachers. She's really great at supporting all teachers. So even if you are a veteran and experienced teacher, you are going to get something out of today's episode. I know I sure did. And it was so much fun chatting with her. So I don't want to wait any longer. Let's go ahead and jump right into the episode. And I hope you enjoy this conversation with Dr. Lori. Teaching literacy is tough, but with the right tools, you can be not only good, but great. Amazing. I'm talking off the charts impactful. Hey, I'm Sarah Marie, a literacy specialist with over a decade of experience working as a classroom teacher and school administrator. Tune in each week to this podcast to hear no fluff lesson ideas and strategies that will help you feel confident in your abilities to truly grow your students as readers. Are you ready? Let's dig in. All right. Hi, Lori. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you as a guest today. Hey, Sarah. I am thrilled to be here. So excited. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So in case my audience does not know you, which I'm so excited to introduce you to them, can you go ahead and give an introduction, just kind of a little bit of background and who you are and who you serve? Sure. So I am host of another podcast, the Beginning Teacher Talk podcast, and my mission is really to support and help beginning elementary teachers. And I truly believe that just because you're a beginning elementary teacher, there is no need for you to struggle like one. I feel like so much of what we get in college and university is so valuable in terms of teaching us teaching theory and what we need to know in order to become great teachers, but we aren't taught so much of the subtle nuances that are so necessary for becoming great teachers in our classrooms. Classroom relationships and 
really the nuances of classroom management and dealing with parents and all of those things. So I really made it my mission to start supporting new teachers. The focus of my master's in education was all about beginning teachers, what's the problem here? And (laughs) the culminating project for my master's became the beginning teacher's handbook for elementary school. So I traveled across the country. I was living in Canada at the time. You'll probably hear my Canadian accent. (laughs) Um, Traveled across the country, helping and supporting new teachers, went on to do my PhD and taught at the university level, helping other new teachers to prepare for their first years of teaching, and ultimately realized that this was really my life's calling in terms of supporting new teachers because we should not be struggling. They should not be struggling as much as they are. There's enough support in the world and enough that we know that I think they just need a mentor and a guide. And that's really what I want to be for them. I absolutely love your mission. And I wish I would have found you when I was a first year (laughs) teacher. And I think back to that. I mean, I had a great college program. I know my professors did a great job training me and preparing me. But I remember that first year of teaching, there were things that I was like, wait a minute, we didn't talk about this in college. And I felt just lost and yep. I definitely struggled my first couple of years. So I absolutely love that this is your focus and that you are here to support the beginning teachers. And I'm just kind of curious, like why, you know, I know you said you did your master's on this, but why is it that so many teachers, even if they have the best education program, why is it that the first year is kind of a shock to them, or they just feel unprepared, even with four years of training? Yeah, I think it comes back to, and I've talked about this quite a bit on my podcast, about there is really a gap between what we're taught in university and modeling after someone else, creating their classroom and running their classroom, and making all of those decisions ourselves, and actually creating that experience and that environment ourselves. I mean, when you think about it, one of the big challenges for new teachers is setting up their first classrooms. And why is that such a challenge? Well, we've probably just moved out from our parents' houses. Like we've never had to decorate a home or a nursery, let alone an entire learning space for 25 children with unique needs. And so I think the gap is just huge when you you've lived in a home your whole life, but you've never actually had to set up your own home. And it's the same thing as a student teacher. You're in someone else's home, in someone else's classroom, but actually thinking through the layout and what you're going to need and how you're going to set everything up, that's a big stretch between watching someone else do it and actually doing it ourselves. So I think that's where that gap can is where a lot of new teachers get lost. And that's where I can help them. I love it. And you're right. That is such a good point. I mean, so often when we start our teaching career, we're really just starting our adult lives in general and figuring so many things out. Um, And of course, there's a lot of complexities and everything involved in teaching. Now, I know that you said there's a little bit of a gap. And unfortunately, in our 25 minute podcast episode today, we cannot cover everything (laughs) that involves in that gap that maybe first year teachers experience. But I know that you have a lot of tips for first year teachers, especially when it comes to the area of classroom management. And so I would love to kind of just focus our conversation and talking about, you know, what new teachers can do to make sure that they have the best classroom management strategy set up when they start, you know, school this fall. And so just in general, what do you notice teachers struggle with when it comes to classroom management their first year? (laughs) Well, in all my work with new teachers, I've noticed there are really four things that new teachers often do. And I did all of these things myself. You probably did too. You're going to be laughing because 
in hindsight, it seems so common. It seems so common sense. And yet when we're in it, it's like so hard. So the first thing I think we do that the mistake we make is we try to do too much. We have too many classroom management strategies and you know, we want to do all the things. We want to be this amazing teacher, but it just ends up leading to confusion and overwhelm for our students. So I like to tell new teachers that more is actually not more when it comes to classroom management. So if you have multiple things going on, like maybe you're using Class Dojo, you're using Akachi Being Good Jar, you're using individual sticker charts for kids or the latest Pinterest strategy that you found, kids generally start acting out because they're a little overstimulated. Their attention becomes too divided and they don't even really know what they're working for. And the reality is it's too much for you to keep up with as well. So when teachers are thinking about a classroom management strategy, especially at the beginning of the school year, I recommend that they choose one strategy and they stay consistent and they do it well. So I always use five things when I'm thinking of like how to choose a classroom management strategy. Is it simple? Is it easy for me to maintain? Is it easy for my students to follow? Is it highly visual? And is it something they actually want? Those are all five things I think about. Okay. I definitely made that mistake my first year. And I, you're right with the whole, like we tend to do too much. And then that can be overwhelming, not only for students, but for teachers. And I mean, I remember my first year, you know, trying to have so many different systems and then not being able to keep up with it. And then the rewards that I promised, I never actually followed through with. And then of course, you know, having no incentive or what I promised is that it was going to do didn't happen. And I definitely struggled with management my first year. And I know probably part of that was, is I was trying to do too many systems. So yeah, love those suggestions. Yeah. And I, I think the funny thing is a lot of teachers have said the same thing to me. And I, and I said to them, what worked for me was I had to have something that I almost had to trip over to remind me all the time <laughs> that it was something that the students would be working towards. Like I used a Kachi being good jar in my first year because I, it was right visual. It was right there in front of me. I put it at the front of the classroom so all the kids could see it all the time. And they would remind me it was really helpful because they'd be like, did we earn a marble in our jar? Did we? Earn? And I'm like, oh, yes, yes, of course you did. And they helped me to stay on track. Yeah, it's nice when the students can actually do the management system for you. (laughs) Yes. Well, and when they're motivated, that's the thing we forget about asking the kids, what do you really want to work for? And keeping them as part of it with us, that's really helpful too. Okay. So sometimes teachers do too much when it comes to classroom management. What other mistakes do we need to try to avoid our first year in the classroom? Well, I'm guilty of this too. The second mistake is that we just don't think things through carefully enough. So I don't know if you, you can relate to this, but when I yeah. first started teaching, <laughs> yes, I, <can>. I, <laughs> I was too. <laughs> you're laughing because you're thinking of that lesson, right? Oh, Probably yeah. the one where the admin came in and you're like, "Oh, I never really thought about that." <laughs> I mean, you know, it's the whole sort of thing where it's like you are telling your students about this brilliant idea as you're literally coming up with it in real time. Yes, <laughs> and it's like, okay, hold on, I haven't thought that far yet. So yeah. That's- I don't know how we're going to do this. Uh (laughs) But when I first started teaching, I was so focused on what I needed to do, right? Because I'm also a learner. We're all learning how to teach. So I didn't pay enough attention to what my students needed to do. I hadn't thought through the how about how my students were going to do what I needed and wanted them to do. So for example, like I always like to give the example of Writer's Workshop because I fell down a lot in Writer's Workshop when it came to classroom management. If you look at just an example of a mini lesson in writer's workshop. I would always bring my kiddos to the carpet for our mini lesson. Well, 
I hadn't thought through how my students were going to actually go to the carpet and come back. It seems like such a simple thing, right? (laughs) But anything that you haven't taught your students, if you haven't taught them a routine for it, that leaves room for interpretation. And there's opportunities then for wasted time. So I really like to make sure that I teach new teachers about the importance of the details and asking yourself how for each thing you want your students to do throughout the day after you're finished your regular lesson planning, because that's a really great way of thinking through. Have I really thought through all of the routines? I, yes. And I was guilty of that. I I sort of was laughing to myself when you talked about bringing your kids to the carpet providers (laughs) workshop, because I mean, I remember that it's like, you know, I remember this clear vision. I was a second grade teacher my first year and telling students, you know, okay, go back to your desks. And literally it was like a stampede of Buffalo just (laughs) rush. And I'm like, wait a minute. (laughs) That's not what I told you. Don't they know how to walk? Like they're, they're seven (laughs) small little things like that. And I think you know, thinking back to my first year, the challenging part is as teachers, we, it's like, we don't know what we don't know. Right. So it's like being unaware that, okay, there needs to be a routine for how to get to the carpet. There needs Mm -hmm. to be a routine for how to keep your desks organized. There needs to be a routine for turning in papers, for coming in in the morning, for hanging up your backpacks, checking books out of the library. I mean, every single thing needs to be thought through. And so I love that reminder of that. We just need to make sure we think literally through every small detail. And I don't know about you, but I never learned that in my student teaching because all of these systems (laughs) were set up, right? All of these different routines were established. So one of the things I teach a lot in my, I have a Ready for School Academy for new teachers where I I help them to bridge that gap between what they learned in college and what they're learning or needing to do to set up their own classrooms is I have them walk through all of the different routines and I show them how I did it in my classroom. Because to see someone else do it is really helpful. Because and once you're having to create it yourself, you're like, oh, that's why you know they created this routine, or that's why they did it this way. So it's just helpful to see somebody else do it and how they've done it and explain why. For sure, or even just knowing it's like, okay, I need to have a system or a routine for how to come to the carpet and how to line up and all of those. So yeah, so far I have you know I made these two mistakes my first year, so I'm curious what your next two mistakes are and if they are something that I also made my first year of teaching. So what's next on your list? We are not consistent enough. (laughs) Guilty of that one again. So, (laughs) And you know what? I was guilty of this for years of my teaching until I went, I realized this is not helping anyone. But the reason that we're not consistent, well, there's several reasons actually, but first of all, it's human nature to avoid hard things, right? It's easier to just let things go. When you've asked your kids for the 465th time to line up quietly and quickly, and they don't, it's easier to just say, oh, don't worry about it, especially when we're tired, right? But I don't know if you've read the book, James James Clear's Atomic Habits. Yes, I love oh, that book. So good. There's one quote in there that changed my life. And he says, you do not rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your systems. If you want better results, then forget about setting goals. Focus on your system instead. And it made me realize, oh my gosh, like this is really a system that I have in my classroom. If I don't, when I'm tired, when things are busy, if I don't have a system in place and I haven't actually worked on establishing that habit for my kiddos and stayed consistent with it, I'm going to have chaos all year. So that was really eye-opening for me. Yes. I was going to say, I love that. And I remember reading that book and I loved that quote, but I didn't necessarily think of it through even like the lens of classroom management, but you're right. You know, it's like our students and our classroom really will be as successful as the systems that we have in place. Yeah. And how clear we are and how consistent we stay with them. Yes. 
And the second reason, this is probably something you're going to start laughing at because I've realized so much. The reason we often are not consistent is because we want our students to like us. And we really believe that if we aren't consistent, if we don't hold to what we said we were going to do, that our students aren't going to like us, that they'll think that we're mean, right? I mean, I rem- yes, no, I, and again, thinking back to my first year, I wanted my students to think that they had a nice teacher and a fun teacher. Mm-hmm. And I yep. remember I bent the rules a lot because I wanted to be, you know, I wanted them to like me. I wanted them to have a fun, you know, school experience, not realizing that, that sometimes consistency is the way to get there. I, I remember the when I really realized this too, was when I was, I had a parent volunteering in my classroom. It was, I think my first or second year of teaching and she was at the back table. And I remember saying to my students, okay, time to clean up and get ready for home. And they completely ignored me. Like I could not believe it. And so I just turned to the parent and kind of shrugged it off and said, oh, you know, that was effective or something like that. And she says to me, but they don't ever listen to you, do they? Oh, no. (laughs) I was completely horrified. And I realized that by me trying to be all nice and sweet and wanting my students to like me and not raising not necessarily you have to raise your voice, but not setting it up a routine and a callback system, like a simple callback system with my students that I ended up having to raise my voice because I didn't have that in place. So my plan backfired on me. I ended up having to raise my voice because I didn't have a system in place. And that's the thing, you know, you don't realize that if you don't (laughs) set up these systems and set up and stay consistent with them, that that's going to happen. You're going to have to resort to yelling because that's the only way you'll get their attention. Yep. Yeah. No, I mean, and I, again, I think my first couple of years, I feel like my students didn't listen to me at all. And I, as a result, had to yell. So thank goodness, I at least figured out that, you know, there's other ways to manage a class by yelling, but consistency, I can see how that would be like really helpful because otherwise, if you're not consistent, your students don't know when is there going to be a consequence or when isn't there. And same thing with, you know, both like rewards. So Definitely was guilty of not being consistent my first year. So what is the fourth mistake that you typically see new teachers make? Well, I think the fourth mistake we make is that we assume that the same strategy or the same type of strategy is going to work all year long, right? So we start thinking that, oh, that worked really good in September. It's really working well. We've used the caught you being good jar, whatever you're using, and then it stops working. Well, that's because we need to keep changing things up and keep testing things all year long. You and I were just talking a little bit about, you know, even just being teacherpreneurs and how everything's a big experiment. Well, it's the same way with teaching. When you're first learning what works for you as a classroom manager, you need to keep changing things up and keep testing things. So for example, switch things up in terms of daily, weekly, and monthly challenges. Don't always have the same kind of a classroom management challenge for your students to meet a goal. For example, on days like before Halloween, I would put up the words free time or special surprise, whatever it was that I wanted to give them on the board and tell my students they needed to earn the letters to spell those words in order to get that reward by the end of the day. So it wasn't like something they needed to work towards for a whole week because today was like a really high energy day. So I wanted my students to have something that they could work towards just for that day. So don't be afraid to keep changing things up and testing different things. Okay. I love that. And even just hearing you say having different challenges, considering daily weekly, monthly, or even before special holidays. And that is something that I don't think I thought about until many, many years into the classroom realizing that, I mean, you know, if we've been in the classroom, we all know Halloween is usually a rough day for (laughs) teachers and students. So 
it makes sense to have a special management challenge for that day or the days leading up to it. And literally I have not thought about that. And even now I'm like, wait, did I ever do something special for management on Halloween? I don't think I did. So I, yeah, that is such a good sort of reminder and suggestion that we really need to change things up throughout the year. That was a game changer. Yeah. But just like even thinking that, you know, the way we manage our our class day to day and, you know, week to week and month to month, like that looks different. Yes. The other thing I would recommend that they think about is experimenting with different student groupings. So not just having the class work towards a reward, but now if your students are in groups, hopefully we get to do that again this year. I'm really hoping, (laughs) fingers crossed, we get to move the students into groups. But I use something called a hot chocolate motivator. Sounds horrible at this time of the year, but I loved it around Christmas time or the winter holidays, especially because I'd put my students in groups and then every group would get to compete to earn like little mini marshmallows inside a digital cup. So it was just basically a picture of a cup on the wall and then they would get to move marshmallows into their cup. Whoever, you know, whichever group was ready first or following directions or whatever it is working together as a team. And at the end of the week, that group would get to have hot chocolate with me during silent reading time. Well, how awesome is that, right? So now you have groups working together to compete against each other. And I loved do mixing things up like that for each season and for every, you know, different times, times of the year to give them different challenges. Yeah, I love that. And again, I mean, I always thought I was like the ADD teacher who's constantly bored with, you know, whether it's like <laughs> management routines or classroom setups or my bulletin boards. I mean, I loved changing things and maybe almost to a fault where I would change stuff too, too frequently. But I think that's important with like the management is that we, we have to keep our students invested and motivated by our management systems. And so having seasonal things and different rewards and whole group stuff and small group stuff, that's so important to remember. So yeah, that's, those are really the four main things that I see coming up all the time for new teachers. There's definitely more and I get asked a lot of questions, but those four themes seem to keep coming up over and over again. And we just keep talking about how can we do it better? How can we do less better? How can we think things through more carefully? How can we stay more consistent? And how can we mix up the strategies a little bit throughout the year? That's awesome. So now that my teachers know, and here's the other thing that I love about this is these sort of mistakes aren't necessarily unique to first-year teachers. I mean, right. I made these mistakes well into my third, fourth, and fifth year in some cases. Yes. So I know that this these ideas can really benefit all teachers. But what are some tips that you have? So if teachers know, okay, these are mistakes I need to avoid, what are some things that they should consider or pay attention to when they are picking a management strategy for their classroom? I think, first of all, they need to really think about choosing one thing at a time, especially like anything, when you're learning how to do something new, choose one strategy. And like I mentioned at the beginning, do less better. So focus on really honing that one strategy, pay attention to what your students, what's resonating with them, what's working with them, because you'll know just as much as I do that each year, different classes actually respond differently to different management techniques or ideas. They all have their different personalities almost. So I would recommend that they try not to do too much at once, that they try to do less better. And again, like I mentioned before, with thinking things through, when you're done planning for the week, ask yourself how you're going to do each thing that you're planning to do for that week. So if there's movement in the classroom or movement outside of the classroom, how are students going to do all of those things? What what are your procedures? Have you thought through the how? And the other thing about consistency that I would say is slow down. 
I think we get so worried about time and we've got to teach these standards and we've got to make sure we get everything done and we've got to, well, the, I don't know if you've listened to Brooke Castillo's podcast before. She's got a great podcast called, called the Life School Podcast. And she talks about slowing down so you can speed up how you have to sometimes get off the bike to get into the car. And I love that analogy. So at the beginning of the year, we have to actually get off the bike. We have to stop pedaling and look at what's actually going on. Slow down, make sure we have the right strategy in place, make sure we have the right routine in place, make sure our kids really get it so that the rest of the year we can go really fast. They know how to line up. They know how to keep their desks clean. They know how to do all these things because they're so awesome. We've practiced them at the beginning of the year so we can go fast the rest of the year. And again, just keep experimenting, keep testing, pay attention to what feels right for you, your kids, and your own teaching style. You're going to have fun with it. And that's, I think, the bottom line. We have to start having fun and not fear in classroom management. I love that. And I think that reminder for teachers to sort of just slow down and do one thing well at a time, I think is so important because, I mean, I remember when I was in the classroom, just feeling that constant pressure and stress of there's so much to do and not enough time and the standards and hurry, hurry, hurry that I think sometimes we forget that we do need to slow down to speed up. So yeah, I love those reminders. And man, you have had so many good tips. I <laughs> thank you. love, I wish, like I said, at the beginning of the episode, I wish I would have had a mentor like you my first year teaching because I definitely struggled with classroom management. And mm-hmm. so if there are teachers in my audience that would like to connect with you and learn more about how they can, you know, be effective first year teachers, second, third, you know, just grow in the areas of classroom management. How can my audience find you? I'm at beginning teacher talk on IG and on Facebook. Um, They can also join my free private beginning teacher talk Facebook group. It's growing all the time, full, a great community. And also I have a freebie for your listeners that I think is really going to help them to streamline their classroom management. It's called the ultimate classroom management checklist for new elementary teachers. I say it's for new elementary teachers, but It's a great refresher for me, even having been in the education game for 20 years. So I can link to that for you or give it to you so that you can share that with your audience. Awesome. Yes, we will include a link to your website and that freebie and um, your Facebook group as well in our show notes. So if you are not already following Lori on social media or in her Facebook group, definitely go check out those links and follow her. She is just a wealth of knowledge and support for all teachers. So Lori, thank you so much for being here today. I have so enjoyed talking with you. Thank you so much for having me, Sarah. It's been such a treat. We'll talk again soon. Bye. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Stellar Teacher Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and are finding value in this podcast, it would mean the world to me if you would follow along and leave a five-star positive review. This helps me spread the word to more and more teachers just like you. And don't forget to join me over on Instagram at the Stellar Teacher Company. You can always find the links and resources from this episode in the show notes at stellarteacher.com. I'll see you back here next week. 